Mysteria podcast back at it in person. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a good one because, um, well, there was a bunch of good UFC fights on last night and uh, I'm quite a UFC fan and uh, GSP is like one of my all-time heroes. Yeah, and, one of the uh, best of all time. Oh, total beast. Good yeah. Canadian boy as well. Yeah. And uh, so I'm very pleased to welcome uh, Mitchell Cadlick to the show today. Thank you. Thank you. And you're the MMA guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would say so. That's definitely my uh, number one sport. And so you're a, you're a ref, you're a judge, you're mm -hmm. a practitioner. Yep. Tell us a little bit about that. What do you do? I got certified as a professional uh, MMA judge back in 2012. Um, I was 20 years old. I was one of the youngest to ever get certified underneath uh, Big John McCarthy in the command course. And um, yeah, I took it back in November 2012. I was one of, I think, about 20 people in the course. Um, and out of that um, those 20 people, only three people passed the course. It's an extremely, <laughs> extremely difficult course to pass. And I remember Big John, he said he had a bet with uh, Jaron Vallel, who's the other course instructor. I don't know if he was joking or not, but uh, he saw the young kids sitting in the front row that didn't say anything the entire time. Um, I was too nervous. Everybody else <laughs> had all these like who's who of BC MMA around. And um, yeah, the other two guys that had passed uh, the course had already worked in the UFC prior. And uh, and they were pretty shocked when they saw the results and the quiet kid in the front um, passed as well. And so, um, yeah, since then, I haven't looked back. I originally took the course not thinking I was going to become a ref or a judge. I originally just took it because I was a young guy that had been training for a couple of years. I just got my blue belt, I think, a month prior, and uh, I wanted to compete, and I wanted to fight, and I thought taking that course would give me an advantage. I would know what judges are looking for, how do they score fights, and so I could help my teammates, I could help myself, um, and give, because I would corner guys, I'd give them honest feedback if they're losing or winning. And uh, I would kind of know where I, I stood if I was fighting. That's pretty cool. I yeah. like that mentality too. Yeah, I think I think uh, if anybody that's young, up and coming in the sport, and they see a referee, a judge course, uh, I would one hundred percent tell them to take it, whether they're looking to do that or not. Um, the the information that you're gonna get uh, could possibly change your entire way of training, even. Um, and how you look at fighting. And so <clears throat> you mentioned blue belt. So blue belt in jujitsu. Yeah, that was back in 2012. Okay. Yeah. And how did you get involved? You, you just, yeah, MMA is cool and let me just do it. You know, how did that kind of come to be? You know what? Um, when I was in high school, maybe like grade 10, my, my two best friends are Tyler and Scott McDonald and they're uh, twins. And uh, I've been best friends with them since uh, grade five or six and uh their dad was a big fan and uh i would uh always be over at their house and you know what i hated it at first i'll be honest i didn't like it uh, watching it or yeah. okay. watching it i did not like it i was like this is human cockfighting i didn't understand <laughs> i didn't i didn't understand it i didn't see not the appeal too wrong on that one yeah <laughs> I, I was just like this is violence uh and that was when like Back in the days when everybody was like tap out and affliction and yeah, hardcore. And I was like, 
oh man, I'm not into that. I was like a video game nerd. I just went home and played Call of Duty. <laughs> and uh, uh, I would sit there and I'd watch it and um, with them just for something to do. And uh, their dad, Keith, um, he would always kind of like be sitting there and just kind of talk to me about it a little bit. Just say, kind of like say, oh, that's Damian Maya, right? That that guy, this is what he he's really good at. His striking's not the best, but man, when he takes guys down, you should watch his game. Watch watch how he fights. And I'd watch that and I'd be like, wow, he's beating guys without even hitting them sometimes. And I'm like, that's crazy. And then you got your George St. Pierre, obviously was huge at the time. And he's a Canadian guy, so we'd go and watch his fights. And we had Anderson Silva and his head movement and the way he would move and how slick he was. And he made people look foolish. And I was like that's pretty cool. And he would just kind of tell me different game plans and different strategies and what certain guys skill sets were. And as I sat there and watched it more and more with him, I started to not see, I started to see a different side of the sport. I didn't see the human cockfighting, two dudes just trying to knock each other out or choke each other out. I saw the actual uh, technique and strategy behind it. And that's what got me hooked. And, uh, I had a couple buddies in high school that had trained. Uh, I had a buddy, Dexter, that used to uh, do kickboxing. And uh, we would, in gym class, we would start wrestling around with each other. And uh, none of us had any grappling experience. And uh, I remember getting him in a triangle choke. Not, <laughs> not even probably, definitely not doing it properly. But doing it good enough that I got him to tap. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, wow. That was fun. <laughs> it's a good this feeling. Is, and I remember uh, we had this student teacher, Mr. Edge, and he was this jacked young guy. All the girls loved him. <laughs> <laughs> but of and, course. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he hated us. He got so mad because every time he turned his back, me or and Dexter, me and my buddy James, we'd be... We'd be playing basketball and all of a sudden he'd turn around and one of us is double-legging the other <laughs> and we're just doing grappling each other and he'd try and get us to stop and we're just like, no. Ended up going to the principal's office one time for it. And uh, yeah, and I just, I just fell in love with it. And then I remember um, after graduating, I uh, didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, I was just like, I'm going to I'm going to try and go to an MMA gym. I kind of want to try it out. Uh I just only wanted to do jiu-jitsu and uh wasn't really looking into the striking aspect of things and uh I walked into the first gym I ever walked into was Clinch MMA and it was uh it was in Burnaby now it's in Port Coquitlam and uh the coach there Sal Ram uh who's my coach to this day uh he, he uh, invited me in with open arms, uh, had me try a class, and he asked me, is this, this is the first time that you're doing this? I was like, yeah. He said, don't just try my gym. He's like, don't just try my gym. He goes, honestly, if you're new to this, go try a few gyms, find out where you fit in best. And I thought, that's strange. Like, not too many martial arts instructors would say that they would want you to, you know, stick to their gym and just be like, this is the best gym for you. You want to <laughs> sign up here and they want your money. Right. And he's like, no, go, go try a few other gyms. 
And so I did, I went to a boxing gym, I went to another MMA gym, then another one with a different buddy each time. And uh, that, that gym just kind of stuck in the back of my head. It also helped it was closest to home at the time too. <laughs> That's but, always a good thing. Yeah, yeah but um, uh, he, uh, yeah, he's been my coach ever since day one. And so uh, I remember he convinced me to do Muay Thai before jujitsu. <laughs> okay, yeah. And uh, one of the things he said, he goes, you like jujitsu, yeah? He goes, try try Muay Thai first. See 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 if you like that. And I was like, why, why is this guy telling me to do Muay Thai first before I do jujitsu? And um, you know, it actually helped because it got me uh, learning the clinch. Um, well, I go to a gym called Clinch, so we work heavy on the clinch, and um, and that's kind of like your first introduction to grappling. And uh, uh, I loved it. <laughs> And I remember, like, oh, two weeks later, I was like, all right. And this was, uh, this would have been uh, maybe the beginning, end of September, beginning of uh, October in 2010. And, uh, yeah, I've been hooked ever since. I did my first jiu-jitsu class. I still remember what I learned my first jiu-jitsu class, straight ankle lock. And uh, with uh, my coach, he was Joe at the time. And, uh, yeah, I fell in love with it. And, Still to this day, still train, <laughs> still keep up. Uh, what was the mentality behind the, like, why Muay Thai just particularly because there's more clinch work involved in that type of striking compared to, like, you know, kickboxing or boxing or whatever? Yeah, exactly. So, like, uh, it's something that I tell, like, even my, my girlfriend is kind of interested in it. She's because I love it so much that she's starting to learn it. Um, and I'll wrestle her at home and stuff. And you get her uh, to choke you out and yeah. stuff like this is a rear naked choke is what you do. You yeah. do the tap yeah. Yeah. But I, I like we watched John Wick last night, the third oh, one. Oh yeah, that's and, dangerous. That's and, dangerous. And, and, yeah. and uh, I was trying I was like I was like, that's a jujitsu move. And I'm trying to show her. And it's like a basically a jumping uh pendulum sweep. And I was like, This is how you do it, but come here, I'll show you on your knees. And <laughs> and so uh, she wants to do it and we got a great uh we got a good couple of girls at my gym, Adri and uh, Shauna Ram, and Shauna's an incredible professional mixed martial artist as well. And uh, they hit her, my girlfriend and her work together, and she loves her and respects her a ton. And I was like, "Come train with Shauna. Let her beat her up. Let her let her beat you up a little bit." And um, yeah, she's 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 getting she's I think starting to get the bug a little bit. She's got all this energy, and so. Uh, um, I find it hard for a lot of women to really sink their teeth in jujitsu, um, because you're going to be training with the majority of men and, um, to grapple a random dude and, and you're in the position like guard, it can be, uh, a little uncomfortable, I think for women, um, especially that are brand new and don't really understand what they're doing yet. And so I was like, here, come do a Muay Thai class, learn the clinch a little bit right because uh, you learn body locks you learn all sorts of things in the clinch um, and see how if you're comfortable with that and it's a good little fresh little starting taste into grappling a little bit while you're learning some cool techniques and striking yeah i was listening to uh jocko podcast um this particular one he did a q a uh probably a couple months ago and it was quite funny because he was one of the people asked him a question like about that, like, oh, you know, I'm a woman, I'm trying to get into jujitsu kind of thing, but like I'm uncomfortable, like exactly that kind of problem that you just posed, mm -hmm. you know? And it's it's interesting because like 
I mean, I'm a, like, I, I have a very, I was doing MMA for like three and a half months. And I mean, I was going like three, four times a week. Actually, I was probably going more. I was going three, four times a week and then, but doing double sessions. So it's, you know, quite a bit of yeah. training. And I mean, I, I love it. I love UFC, love, like just lo- everything about it. Love it. All the different Muay Thai, kickboxing, grapple, everything. Just, it's, it's phenomenal. And, uh, but you know, what's good about that for women too is like, and it's kind of like how you point out that like Damien Maya, cause Damien Maya is not a physically very unassuming. He look he, like, he looks average. Like yeah, he, he's not he like yeah. shredded or like big broad shoulders, just kind of like a regular looking dude, but he's, he'll massacre you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, he will absolutely. And, and that's that grappling background too, you know, for women too, that's, it's a great thing, you know, because just nice to be able to know you can uh you know take care of business you know yeah, and it's funny because i tell my buddies that uh want to do mma i'm like come to my gym and grapple shauna <laughs> shauna's 125 pounds it five foot whoop your ass three uh <laughs> and she'll whoop your ass like that she is so tough and she hits hard for for her size definitely and uh she's like my she's like my big sister i love her and she's uh she, uh, she, like I said, she's a phenomenal fighter, and hopefully we see her back in the cage at some time. Um, but uh, yeah, I always tell them grapple her and see what happens. And they're looking at this cute little blonde girl who's a mom of two, <laughs> and uh, and uh, she just ragdolls them. <laughs> it's, uh, and uh, a lot of guys have that mentality too. Like uh, the amount of guys that I've seen come in the gym that are jacked up, all tatted up. They got some scars. Maybe they think they're tough guys. Maybe they've been in a couple bar fights and uh, they think to themselves, I know that, that, that ego that, that comes along with that is, you know, I'm big, I'm tough. I've been in a couple scraps. I can, I can mess up these guys, right? I can fuck them up. And I'm like, all right, go grapple uh, Jofus, my buddy Jofus, who's this unassuming, five foot seven, hundred and forty pound guy, and uh, go grapple Jofus, <laughs> and Jofus will ragdoll him. And I'm like, the, the difference between somebody that's trained and not trained is, is there's a wide margin in between that, um, and so it's opened up. <laughs> the eyes of some of my friends especially when we're just messing around at my house and they're like you know what i think i can tap you i'm like how long do you think you can last <laughs> yeah and i'm like I, I, we'll start from standing and i'll give you a minute <laughs> and i had one of my buddies with his arm behind his back and a rear naked choke in 10 seconds and all my buddies were dying laughing but um yeah the the, the difference between a trained athlete that does this day in and day out. And especially somebody like Damian Maya, who um, is one of the best in the sport um, when it comes to jujitsu. Um, it's insane. I mean, that guy just, the strength and technique, um, it's not even how strong he is in general, but just the technique and not doing anything flashy, right? The flashy is cool. It's fun to watch. And uh, it's great for a fan aspect. Uh, for somebody that like me that's been educated and been in the sport a long time, I love watching guys like him, like like Jacare Souza. Um, these guys that aren't going inverted and super cool to watch. I love it. I like watching it just as much as the other guy, but the strength and technique is insane. 
And then you have Islam Makachev, who's coming up now. And Islam is, you watch that guy grapple, and it's incredible, the strength and technique. I just, I love watching that guy. <laughs> yeah. What was interesting for me, like it's funny, like we're <clears throat> we're doing this podcast in in our MMA gym at the house here, yeah, and uh, so it, it's kind of nice, like I'll do drills down here, uh, like striking stuff, yeah, but it's all just you know foot movement, head movement, throwing proper kicks and punches and techniques, and I got the big mirrors here, so you can you know you can attention to detail and be sure your form mm-hmm. and. You know, I'm glad that you point that out, like with your buddies and stuff, or like guys who are like, "Yeah, I'm just so tough, right?" And it's like, I mean, I used to fight all the time in hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit of I was a bit of a hothead, um, you know. Same <laughs> I've been as, there. Yeah, same in <laughs> soccer too. Like never throwing punches, but you're you're getting into shit all the time. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you might think you're 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 all that, and seriously, you do 15 minutes of literally stepping like I, I got one drill it's just it's like the mike tyson drill yeah it's just kind of like that head movement just step and and you know footwork and and the head movement to follow mm-hmm. that's it and you just do that back and forth a bunch of times and even me doing that i'm like oh like learning how to move your body to be able to throw a punch properly are you twisting your hips are you twi- you know your feet planted correctly like mm-hmm. these little details there's so much more into it than just oh yeah i'm gonna show up and I'm just tough and I'm going to ragdoll a guy like, yeah. no, nah. I, wa- I watched a lot of UFC, bro. I <laughs> yeah. watch a lot of UFC. I just see red, man. Yeah. I just see red, <laughs> man. And like with fighting too, and martial arts, especially mixed martial arts, you're incorporating every single muscle. That's what people don't realize. Like these guys that go to the gym and they lift a lot of weights. They're done cardio wise in less than five minutes. And because <laughs> they're using a whole lot of muscle and f- uh, like fine twitch muscle and all this stuff that they've never used before. And it's it's a crazy workout. The athletes that uh, compete are so conditioned. It's insane. And uh, even guys that get a, get ragged on for their conditioning, their still conditioning is a thousand times better than the average human being. <laughs> it's a tough sport. And yeah. I remember, I think it was Joe, probably, it was probably Joe Rogan once during a, during a fight that he was commentating and he, he actually made a comment about that and he's like, you know, punch the air, just, just stand and just punch the air as hard as you can for five minutes. Tell me how you feel. You're not going to make it five minutes. You're going to be dying. <laughs> no, you know, you're going to be gassed. <laughs> I was but, just. I was just holding up a sign on the corner of the street <laughs> for punishment for finishing in last place in my hockey pool. And my shoulders were killing me. I had to do it for an hour. And I was like, the worst part of this isn't having to wear a dress and do this. It's, the, it's <laughs> my shoulders are giving out. <laughs> now try and hold up your hands even. Holding up your hands is just while shadow boxing um, for somebody who hasn't done it at all. It's, it's tough. Your hands are going to drop. You're not going to be there. They're going to be at your chest pretty soon. Then they're going to be at your hips and you want those, you want those suckers up. Yeah. And then you got to fight off some guy who's trying to choke you or beat your ass. You know, it's like, yeah, it's it's different. It is different. Yeah. And so you're, you're getting into MMA. uh, So you're, you're pretty fresh. So you're like 18, 18, 19. Yes. And you're kind of training, you're doing your thing. You settle in at your gym. Yep. And you start off with Muay Thai, get into jiu-jitsu. How does that kind of, where do you go from there? Well, I started doing like uh, some jiu-jitsu tournaments locally. 
um, like Tiger Bombs and Western Canadian Championships that are usually held at like BCIT and stuff like that. And uh, uh, I was doing pretty well in the jiu-jitsu tournaments and uh, I, I, I medaled a couple times and uh, I started to get the bug to tr- fight MMA and that's when I did the course. Um, after I did that course um, in 2012, I kind of... You know, I, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted. I wasn't sure if I wanted to compete or now that I'm a certified judge, uh, maybe I'll do that. And my head was kind of everywhere and I didn't really know what, exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I started to work my first couple of shows and it wasn't until the next course that I took with Big John that I decided, I think I'm going to stick with just refing and judging. <laughs> but Yeah. And that was just because, I mean, it sounds very interesting, mm. just as far as if your interest is in technique and and things of like the more technical side of fighting, mm-hmm. um, you know, mixed martial arts, that, that would make sense why that would be appealing. And was it just sort of as simple as just like, yeah, you know, this just kind of piqued my interest and let's just kind of push it a little further? Um, you know, not so much like that. It, I just kept... Uh, so I worked a few shows and then I took the next course and uh, Big John and my coach actually did it with me, Sal. And uh, the next one was the referee course. And I actually failed the first time I did the referee course by one mark. Oh, and yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was brutal. I, in looking back, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't pass it that time. I wasn't ready. Um, I wasn't mature enough um, to be in the position to be between two professional athletes. But... Um, one thing that uh, happened that course is uh, Big John took me and my coach aside and said uh, in front of me to my coach, whatever you've done with this kid, you've done a great job. Oh, that's and, so cool. Uh, <laughs> Big John, yeah, talk, man. That's Big so John, cool. man. Uh, that's probably uh, the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Like, I could have cried right there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, and this is Big John's my idol. He's the best to ever ref. Um he wrote the rules of the game. So, you know, he, he, he's an OG since UFC number two. And um, when you get that kind of praise, and he said, uh, he looked at me and goes, Mitch, I don't know where your head's at. And he could just tell that um, I wasn't fully committed to refing or judging. And I wasn't fully committed to competing. And I wasn't fully committed if I wanted to coach or what. And uh, he looked at me and said, I can tell that you're kind of, your mind's all over the place. He goes, but I promise you, if you decide to stick to refing and judging, you're going to have a phenomenal career. And well, that's when, quite the encouragement. And when the best of all time says something like that to you, you know, it still bugged me for a couple of years. I still <laughs> wanted to compete a little bit. And, but you know what? When, when the best of all time says something like that to you, you, you listen you know yeah that's a pretty special moment yeah because yeah. i mean but yeah and, and you mentioned like big john now does he still ref in the ufc no he's no. retired now and is he doing commentating at bellator yeah okay that's right yeah. and um but yeah he i mean like you said like he's like the og guy you know he's, like he's, he's been the... around since pretty much day one almost 
Yeah, he, he was on, uh, I think he was in the first row, if I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure he was in the first row at UFC number one, and he was a student under uh, one of the Gracies, and then uh, he wanted to compete in UFC number two, and they wouldn't let him, and he was an LAPD officer, and so they went, you know what, you can referee, and so he refereed the UFC number two, and that was that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said something interesting that I want to kind of push you on a little bit. So you said like at the time when you, you took the refing course and didn't pass the first time, you said that you didn't feel that like ultimately it was a, a good thing because mm-hmm. you didn't feel that you were ready to be between, you know, two pro athletes at that time. Exactly. What does that mean? I'm just really into this interesting uh, thing. The, the amount of pressure. Um, I remember the first time I stepped in that cage and it was an amateur fight. I was shit in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, was, it was for uh, Battlefield Fight League, and I remember I'd been to Battlefield Fight League as a fan to watch. Um, I've been there to corner and help out some of my teammates, and uh, it was pressure. This is the biggest show locally, and uh, they film it. They're at a theater. There's a few hundred people watching, and you don't want to fuck up, right? Um, and if I'd done it earlier... I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been mature enough to deal with that pressure. Um, it it's I'm glad that it took a few years. I think it was about I think I got certified as a pro ref in 2015, and uh, three years later made the difference. You know, I I become a purple belt at that time in jujitsu, and I'd matured with the sport. I'd had more experience, especially because I'd been judging in that time. So I'd work plenty of events on the outside and uh, working more and more shows, especially judging the first time you're nervous as hell, right? You want to get it right. Um, Because in a judge, when you're a judge, you don't, you don't necessarily, you don't have any favorites, right? I always say I could have my mom fighting in one corner and there's nobody I love more than my mom. (laughs) And she could be fighting my worst enemy on the, (laughs) the other corner and you know what? If my worst enemy gets just a little bit better, 1%, not even 0.1% better than my mom, I'm giving them that round, right? You got to be completely unbiased and uh, to work in front of the lights and the camera and all those, uh, all the spectators and know that if you don't get that right, <laughs> you're getting roasted. And uh, it's not a fun feeling. And it's not a good feeling because... You, you want to make sure the right person wins that fight. Um, you, it, it affects fighters' pay. It affects um, a fighters' everything, right? Their career, their, their career trajectory. Um, and uh, you, you always want to get it right. Um, because if you get it wrong, then that person gets an L on their record. And maybe they're not fighting for the title next fight when they should have been. And... Uh, Trust me, if I ever get something wrong or if I, <laughs> nobody's harder on me about it than myself. Um, I want absolute perfection, um, but that's never going to be the case. Uh, we're all going to make mistakes. Sometimes uh, when you're a judge, you're sitting at one angle. You're not going to see um, the most important thing that happened that round because their backs are to it. Uh, when you're watching something on TV, you get the best possible angle at any given moment. Um but still, you want to get that right. Um, yeah. What I have noticed as a fan, um, 
just relating to judges is that the the judging is much better now than it was even five years ago. Like the amount, I mean, there there's the occasional, you know, it goes to a decision and it's like, what? Like that guy won? Like, what the hell are you guys looking at? Like, but that seemed to happen a little more frequently, you know, kind of back in the day, but it, it seems much more consistent nowadays at least. And I mean, I'm just referring to, to just the UFC. Yeah. Um, but at least, you know, I don't know. What, what's your uh, opinion on that? Um, I feel like it's becoming more consistent. And so we, I, I feel like it's only getting better. Um, the education is getting better for officials. Um, uh, and the communication between officials is getting better. Um, I can speak for like the commission that I work for. Um, I've heard rumors of other commissions where uh, a referee is trying to promote himself to get the main event. Right. Or uh, a judge is leaving some information out for the up and coming judge because he wants to work all the shows. And uh, our commission here, we work together as a team. After every fight, the judges get together, they huddle together. Why'd you score that round that way? What did you see? Oh, I missed that. What, what did you see? Right. And we're all we've, we've gotten to the point now where. Um, as I've done these courses from 2012 onward, you have to take the next one because the criteria is constantly changing and updating. From what we, you remember back in the day, you'd never see a 10-8 round, right? The guy had to have been completely out almost until you see a 10-8 round. Then it got to a point where 10-8 rounds were given a little bit too much. And then now we kind of figured out the proper criteria to give a 10, eight round, or we've, uh, we've kind of like solidified the criteria in which, and, uh, we use, and, uh, the communication between officials is awesome. Uh, I've worked a couple of UFCs as a judge. And, um, when you're working with guys like Derek Cleary, Sal Diamato, um, uh, who else? <laughs> Lots, uh, David Theron and, um, uh, all those like incredible judges, they all get together, Tony Weeks, and we all get together and we discuss it and we pick the brain of them and uh, see what they see. And it kind of keeps everybody on the same page, right? If somebody's starting to fall off page and starting to like, their, their scores aren't really adding up, uh, we bring them in, we, we chat with them and we all try to make sure and help each other that um, everybody's on the same page for the better end of the sport. That makes sense too, though, because, you know, the, the sport, like the, just the caliber of fighters has just, it's unbelievable. Like the, the skill level of, of fighters today compared to like when you, when you watch, um, what's the UFC, I think the UFC unleashed where they'll show like some of like the old fights and, yeah. and whatever. And, and you get to kind of see them back to back and, and just watching like, it, like, I mean, not to like rag on him, but like guys like Chuck Liddell, who are just like these phenoms back in the day. And then you sort of look at it through today and it's like, you know, not like they, you know, all oh, they suck by today's standards, but, but they've evolved from those guys. Like yeah. fighters today learn from, from the pioneers, you know, and then. Absolutely. And it's the same with refing and judging. It's the exact same. Uh, we want uh, the sport to be the best it can uh, be. And uh, that means us consistently educating ourselves and uh, bettering ourselves and uh, for the betterment of the sport and so that um, 
we get it right more often than not, right? And uh, the fighters that deserve to win, win. And, um, yeah, that's so it's the same way as refing and judging. And for those athletes, I can't wait for another 10 years down the road when you have all these kids that have been starting at three years old, <laughs> starting to uh, that have trained their entire life that are getting into MMA. The talent is just going to get better. And it's it keeps the, the sport exciting because it's still – so new that uh yeah, by the time i'm an old man i'm gonna be looking back at <laughs> the ufc stars of today and going wow they've really evolved <laughs> i can't wait to see what uh these young and up-and-coming kids can pull off and what new techniques and they're gonna show up with a bit of a kind of tangent uh, a little bit off topic here but like what you know, uh, Logan Paul just fought Woodley, and uh, you know, uh, well Anderson just fought Tito, yeah. And uh, so you're starting to see some of these UFC guys getting into boxing and you know whatever, and it's a bit of a, it's quite a circus, you know. Like it's it's sort of weird to see that kind of side of it, but what kind of got me thinking about the sort of the the mixing of boxing and UFC because that was something that has been talked about for a really long time but no one ever did it mm -hmm. and then I guess Connor was probably like the first one to do it at that level you know fighting Mayweather which whatever I mean talk about the efficacy of that you know it's sort of a separate conversation but what's interesting and what's kind of got me thinking about it is that boxing used to be looked at as like this really uh, gold standard established um, very professional and I think that reputation now it seems like it's kind of going down a little bit and before the UFC and mixed martial arts was like you know kind of like um, uh, not Czech Congo but who is the uh, the backyard brawler guy oh Kimbo, um, Kimbo yeah, yeah that's right you know like where it's like people just thought like you know UFC were, were guys like Kimbo like in backyards and like roided to the gills and mm -hmm. you know stuff like that and and like that sort of animalistic and now you know the ufc has this really great reputation you know it's come so it's come so far and now when you compare it to boxing it almost seems like you know the the i think too with boxing it's so dramatic and so like you know, guys are coming to the ring, like wearing like gowns and shit. You're like, what the hell is this? You know, it's like, you know, in the UFC is like, you know, let's just get the, you know, we're walking into an octagon. We're going to beat the shit out of each other. Let's get the business, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really interesting as, you know, again, as a fan to sort of see that evolution, but mm -hmm. as somebody who's been in the sport as a practitioner, ref and a judge, like, how do you kind of see that? Um... Good question. <laughs> uh, let me dissect that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I gave you a lot there. But. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like boxing and mixed martial arts going into boxing, and um, it's a different game. Uh, so those guys that are going into it, um, sure, in mixed martial arts, we incorporate as many martial arts as we can, uh, including boxing. And boxing is one of the main things that we work on. Uh, the footwork, the stances, uh, everything's completely different than an MMA. You, in MMA, you're concerned about kicks, takedowns, and all sorts of things. Um, the guys that are good boxers that are in the MMA, uh, they're, th fighters have this belief in themselves that is unlike anybody else. 
uh, they don't think they can lose. If you ask a fighter, if a fighter's getting 25 to show and 25 to win, if you ask them a week before the fight how much you're going to make this weekend, they're going to say 50 grand, right? They're, they're not even considering that they're going to lose. Um, so the belief is so strong in themselves that, um, yeah, of course they think they can go over there and compete. And some some guys definitely can show that they can, right? Um uh, you don't see too many boxing guys flipping over to the other side. Um, you start to see it with a couple of kickboxers. You look at Israel Adesanya. I was watching him in glory back <laughs> so in the day. So good. <laughs> slick, slick. And, you know, I'm so excited because uh, you have uh, Alex Pereira, uh, the one man that knocked him out, uh, knocked out Izzy, and he's coming over to the UFC, and that's very exciting. And I'm excited to see his development in the sport. Um and he's not a super young guy either, so to see if he can develop a ground game or at least take down defense and um, and be successful. So you're starting to see it a little bit, and uh, maybe we'll see some uh, famous boxers make the switch too. Um, it's a little bit more difficult, I think, for boxers, but just because of stance-wise and stuff and uh, l- learning those techniques, and at least kickboxers have all the other tools and striking when it comes to kicks, knees. Um, if uh, Most kickboxers also train in Muay Thai, so they have the elbows and the clinch work. Um, where in boxing, you don't have those tools. Um, but it'd be exciting to see those guys develop a game. And um, I think uh, the UFC's done a really good job at, um, at making it legitimized as a sport. Um, and not looked at as uh, the human cockfighting that it once was looked at <laughs> as, and uh, all the all the changes that they've made, rule changes, or you, you even to the uniform changes to making it all look the same. Um, I think's really helped with its reputation of um, of uh, of legitimizing it as a sport. And it's a little more mainstream than boxing. You still have the boxing super fights that everybody loves to watch. Um, but uh, boxing is going to survive for a long time because uh, boxing is always going to be that traditional uh, sport that every uh, lots of people love. And it's huge, especially in uh, the Latino culture and, um, and uh, even uh, globally around the world. Um, even though the UFC seems to be taking more over of North America. Well, it's funny, like, you know, so you're wearing a really cool Mike Tyson shirt today. And, uh, like about an hour ago, like before he got here, I was just kind of, um, just briefly on Instagram and there was a Mike Tyson video thing and an excerpt from an interview. And seriously, I mean, if you want to, you know, like, people like watch horror movies, you know, for fun, right? You get scared. Yeah. Yeah. Put on a Mike Tyson fight. That'll scare the <laughs> living shit out of you. <laughs> Will it that ever. guy, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, just not like just the physical specimen, but his, I mean, just unbelievable. His oh. skill. Like, it oh. was stupid. The, the, the power that that man possessed. It, it would be, uh, I think the modern day equivalent would be Francis Ngannou. Yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, yeah. Take a punch from that guy. No, thank you. I don't even want to spar. You're that not going to survive. No, no, I'll pass. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that, he, he, Mike Tyson back in his day did something that nobody else did, and that was put people to sleep with one punch power. 
and with ferocity and uh, and viciousness and he, he was uh, one of a kind and Francis Ngannou is now that guy in, in the UFC and it's fun to watch but uh, yeah well, I mean Mike Tyson came back and did a fight recently against Roy Jones Jr. and I saw a lot of people shit on it online and I remember thinking to myself and I said it to a few of my friends I was like man I hate that I hate that people are shitting on this we just got to see Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. sure they're old sure they're not trying to finish each other but just to see him move around in the ring, and he fought well, and and he looked. It good. wasn't like it was a. Whole, it wasn't like watching two old guys hitting each other with their walking sticks or whatever. You know, like no, it, it was good. It, it looked good, man. <laughs> he got in shape, and you know what? That was special because would you have rather have never seen them compete again? No, man, I can't wait. I want Mike Tyson to do one more. I got the bug now. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, right. Come back, do one more. Fight, fight anybody, fight. <laughs> Holyfield or somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to see you run it back with all these guys and have a master's class or something like that. But uh, boxing, uh, I think for like the Jake Paul you mentioned earlier, um, love him or hate him, uh, he's bringing eyes back to the sport of boxing. And I think it's really good for boxing. And I think it's good for martial arts in general. Um, uh, he's kind of like that loud mouth figure. And uh, him calling out UFC guys is, is, is good for the UFC. It's good for business because it's promoting both, right? Because a lot of these guys that don't watch the UFC that watch boxing and Jake Paul's fight and Tyron Woodley, they're going to go, who's Tyron Woodley, right? They're going to go look at Tyron Woodley fights on YouTube. And they're going to say, they're going to watch. And Tyron Woodley was an animal in the UFC. Um, and, uh, they might fall in love with the UFC. They might it might bring more attention and more eyes to the sport. So you know what, I'm supportive of all of it. Well, and and I think with the UFC too, like just in the last, because I mean, when did Mike Tyson retire from boxing? Like, was it the 2000s or the 90s? I'm not uh, quite sure on the timeline. I, but I guess remember. it was about the we'll we'll call it the 90s and whatever. We just yeah. someone <laughs> someone do a Google search on that. But let's just say the 90s. Um, but boxing really hasn't had a superstar at that level. Cause I mean, before Tyson, well, I mean, there were so many, I mean, you know, I mean, you got like Muhammad Ali way back, but you know, guys like Roy Jones Jr. and Holly Field and, and Sugar Ray Leonard. And, yeah. you know, like there were so many of these just incredibly talented, charismatic, you know, guys who, who would make you want to go watch them, not just because, oh, this guy's a fighter, but, like, he's a personality. Let's go watch, mm -hmm. you know? And I think what the UFC has done is that the number of superstars who somewhat transcend the sport, like, they're big. And, I mean, obviously, like, the, the biggest one would have been, or I guess still is, McGregor. And, I mean, you know, whatever. He's, you know, he, he gets into trouble punching some old guy at a bar and machine gun Kelly the other trying day to go or whatever. Machine gun Kelly on a red carpet. <laughs> hey, he's anytime, anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's ready to go. I mean, he's, he's ready, ready to go. go. He lived, lives and die by yeah, it. Yeah, but um, it, it's just cool to see how the UFC has has done that. You know, and I mean George. You know, we mentioned him. He's you know, I, I think. Um, He's just one of like one of my favorite people of all time. Like, there's he, he's just Humble. A, Humble. Un, unbelievable, unbelievably skilled and disciplined and hardest worker you'll find. Like, unbelievable guy. How long was he retired and come back and move up a weight class and win the title? 
and then say goodbye. Yeah. And, and against Bisbing, who's it, it, who's really good. <laughs> he's no slouch yeah, at all. He you was know? a world champ at the time. Yeah, he's and, a beast. <laughs> and uh, to do that, and uh, he, I, in my opinion, he's the greatest of all time. He avenged his losses and uh, and uh, competed with the highest level at that time. And to come back, I think it was like three or four years later. Maybe more. Yeah. And to show that he's still at the top of the food chain and leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, up a weight class. And up a weight class with somebody who's consistently competing. Um, yeah, he gets my ad as greatest of all time, in my opinion. And but. the funny thing about George, what was one of his biggest criticisms when he was a fighter? He can't finish. <laughs> and what he, did he do? <laughs> goes no, up a pretty, weight class. Yeah, basically almost knocks him out, then goes and chokes him completely unconscious. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, so. and, and to see like them develop, uh, well, maybe not necessarily the UFC developing guys, but promoting them, promoting their development, mm-hmm. you know, I guess is, you know, giving them a platform to show off their skill. And, and then when you get into the women's side, you know, Ronda Rousey was kind of like one of the first to, you know, I mean, she just beat the living shit out of everybody. She's breaking everybody's arm. You know, and then... I mean, whatever, then, you know, kind of the next gen comes in and, you know, I guess it would have been new. I mean, she lost a home, but Nunez is kind of like that dominant one. And, and now there's multiple weight classes of extremely skilled. I mean, Shevchenko is like this kind of, you know, she's a sweet looking and she's not big, you know, I mean, I'm scared of that girl. (laughs) She bought my ass all day. I was training in Thailand. (laughs) I was eating lunch and she ran past me <laughs> and i was like wow, like holy shit <laughs> holy crap Chef Chega. but uh yeah the women in the sport are just amazing to watch and like one of my favorites to watch is rose namayunas and just to see the the genuine person that she is and and uh what a killer she is in the ring and her uh, even the way Liu Zhang and uh yoani or jacek and all these girls they're they're the, the the talent in the women's division is phenomenal and i love seeing these these uh young girls take to the sport um and i love that women do the sport and i think it's important that women do the sport because um the amount of confidence and inspiring young women to say i can do that too it's going to be insane um there's a ton of role models to look at there and nunez I mean, beast. I, my my girlfriend didn't really watch any of the UFC before she met me, and I I showed her Nunez fight after Nunez fight after Nunez fight, and she's like, "I'm a huge fan. I can't wait for her next fight." Probably only took you five minutes to show her all those fights because they're all pretty quick finishes, <laughs> they're all right? Pretty quick, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I remember saying to uh, buddies way back in the day. I think this is after her Cats and Ganu fight, and she'd lost the Cats and Ganu. But um, absolutely demolished her in the first round. And I remember saying to my buddies, she's going to be a champ. 100%. And my buddies are like, you think so? I'm like, yeah. If she just learns to like really control her game and control um, her output and to be a little bit smarter in her output, she's, she's going to kill girls. She hits so hard. And... Uh, yeah, look. Yeah, <laughs> I had a. I went after she won the title. I had a buddy of mine from back in the day text me and he was. I remember you saying that, <laughs> and I was like, "Thank you, one person." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but um, yeah, she's she's incredibly talented, and 
um, I look forward to the next person that can top her because, you know, it's, it's just gonna, that's just gonna be a crazy day in the sport when that happens. Crazy moment. And the one person who really impressed me was Misha Tate. Yeah. Holy crap. Coming back. Coming back, back and, mm-hmm. and with knockout power. Yeah. She, what is that? She, having kids? Having kids. Holy crap. <laughs> having kids changes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like some, for Misha, I think uh, it gave her something to fight for. Um, you like, I remember when Donald Cowboy Cerrone had his son and he went on that little tear. Yeah. And um, you have something to fight for. Uh, it could be uh, detrimental or you could uh, take it as a positive and use that as motivation. And so for those that um, use it as motivation, I think it's helpful. And uh, yeah, Misha Tate, she came back, looked impressive. And I look forward to her competing again. Well, and even just like, you know, have like, you know, she's a woman. So she, you know, carried the kid like, you know, physically to just, you know, come. That's it's not a trick. Like, that's not a trivial thing. That takes a lot out of you. It's a big physical toll on your body and come back and look phenomenal. And and kind of the same thing is um, similar to George, too. You know, like her, her thing was not not really big on on the punching more of a grappler mm-hmm. and then to come and come back and do, you know, do well against a, you know, good fighter. It's not like she fought some bum. She fought a, you know, good fighter. And mm-hmm. it's just cool to see like, you know, like how you pointed out, like there's those role models, like the, the, you know, the younger fighters, you know, fighters like Rose. And I mean, even Nunes is still pretty young, I think. Right. She's like maybe 30 or is she yeah, over 30, 30 now? I'm not too sure, but you know, relatively young. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and Misha is still, you know, I mean, young by, any stretch you know certainly as a fighter i guess she's kind of getting near yeah getting up there but it's just cool to see just kind of like those boundaries being broken and it's just nice to see that like what's amazing is like in the chuck liddell days would you ever have thought that in this short period of time that the sport would be where it's at now i don't think so <laughs> you know it's crazy yeah it's crazy yeah i, I don't know i don't think it would ever have thought that it would get to the level that it's at but definitely excited to see what the next level is and i know that you kind of you kind of made that comment too like sort of the next kind of generation coming up and but as far as a um uh as a judge and and as a ref well actually before getting to that let me just ask you so being uh, how common is it to to have someone who's a certified judge be a certified ref is that sort of is that quite quite a fairly uh, common thing? Or? I would say that it's more common to have a certified ref also be a certified judge. Um, okay. It's uh, not very common for a certified judge to be a certified ref. Uh, a lot of guys, uh, it's another level of pressure to actually be in there. Um, and you have, um, like recently I just uh, refereed a, a fight on UFC Fight Pass for Battlefield. It was the main event. It was um, Cal Machado, um, and I'm blanking on the other gentleman's name. Uh, It was number one and number two Canadian heavyweights fighting for each other for the Battlefield Heavyweight Championship. And they are big boys. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, I can't can't believe I'm blanking on the other guy's name, but... uh, he was uh, an Alberta boy, and he. I went to go talk to him in the back, in the and give him the rules, and 
uh, outline my expectations and how I'm going to officiate his contest. And um, I was like, this guy's in the mountain. This guy is huge. Um, I don't know if they had to get special gloves for this guy's hands <laughs> to fit in, but um, he was a truck of a human being. And I just remember, like, it, the pressure to deal with those two massive individuals. And you got to be the one to dive in between them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you know what? If you take a shot, you take a shot. Um, I've been kicked, punched, all sorts of things in, in the in the cage. And, I mean, uh, you do it because you love it. And, you know, you actually you don't even notice half the time when <laughs> that kind of thing happens. But uh, it's hard for somebody to go in there and to know that they're going to be on camera. And if you mess up, uh, there's no hiding from it. I mean... Uh, judges are fortunate that they can kind of hide from uh, any sort of scrutiny. And uh, uh, when you're a ref, you're exposed. And uh, it's kind of a thankless job, you know. Uh, you can do your job perfect a thousand times in a row. But that one time that you messed up, you're going to get crucified on social media and in the media, depending on what level you're at. Um, and uh, you got to have thick skin. You have to be able to like get through that and just put your head down. I've 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 made mistakes as a ref. I've made mistakes as a judge, and I I'll make more. And that's how we grow, and that's how we get better. And um, I remember being at the Hard Rock Casino and making a mistake as a referee and getting booed by a thousand people, getting told you suck, fuck you, you suck, ref. Um, Must feel good. <laughs> oh, it feels great. <laughs> um. Especially when you have as much level of care as somebody like myself, where I really do care. I care about those athletes because I still, to this day, I train. Um, so I'm in the gym with guys that are competing. I know what go they go through. I know what kind of dedication and commitment it takes to even get to the point of stepping into that cage. And so for me, it's, if I mess up, I'm heartbroken. Uh, I, I feel so bad. Nobody feels worse than me. Trust me. And, uh, I mean, I'm, the, I'm that type If I could have stopped that fight from one punch earlier. I'm watching the tape over and over again. How could I have been quicker? How could I have uh, analyzed that a little bit better? But, um, yeah, to, to step in that cage, it's so much pressure and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just not for everybody. And I think right now in BC alone, I think we only have, maybe five certified pro judges, uh, referees, sorry, at the moment that are consistently working. And it's hard to get people to get in there, you know? And, and why do you think that is? Is it just more kind of like how you pointed out? Like it is, it's, well, it certainly is a thankless job. You know, I, I mean, um, when, I'm trying to remember when it was, it's probably about two years ago with Herb Dean and he, who, who again, has been a, you know, excellent ref for ever really you know the best of all time and and i think there was like two fights in a row on on two different cards it was something like that and he i guess he you know didn't stop the fight early enough it doesn't really matter anyway he made made a mistake but it was like two in a row you know or in a very short period of time yeah. and you you literally thought this guy was the biggest chump on the planet like based on the the criticism and it's like well hold on like hold on that, that guy's the one the best of all time if you were competing, tell me you wouldn't want that guy refereeing your fight. If it was your life 
on the line. Your arm, your leg that may be broken, your head that may be concussed, and you want somebody in there that you can trust that's probably going to make the best decision for you, tell me you're not picking her. <laughs> exactly. Right? Tell me you're not picking a John McCarthy. Tell me you're not picking any of those guys, Kevin McDonald, right? Uh, they're at that level, and they're in that cage for a reason. And the reason is simply because they're the best, and they belong there, right? So when these guys get crucified, these guys are legitimate professionals that uh, have been through all these scenarios prior. And um, I mean, you kind of want to make your mistakes on the low, uh, on the not so notable cards, but um, it doesn't always work that way. But you know, um, every ref's going to make a mistake. Every judge is going to make a mistake. It's how they come back from those mistakes that really defines what kind of official they are. If you make the same mistake over and over again and you're not learning, then that's something to be looked at, right? Um, but again, people have money on the line. People are betting on these things. People are invested. People have their favorite fighter. And I, I completely understand that type, that, those reactions. Um, but yeah, I definitely have a lot of sympathy at, as being a referee for those that make an error, as long as it's not super egregious. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, I, I just for any of those officials that make errors and uh, whether how egregious they are or not, but can learn and become better officials for it, um, as long as I hope nothing, none of their mistakes lead to any long lasting effect for the fighter. Um, that uh, they can learn and move on and be better officials down the road because of it. Well, and that's a great outlook to have. I mean, and, and that's one of those, um, you know, that's a mentality that um, that's, a, that's a transferable skill. That doesn't matter what you're doing professionally in a relationship, whatever. It's just like, yeah, learn from your mistakes, grow, and, you know, try not to repeat the same thing, you know? Ab absolutely. Um, even in jiu-jitsu and MMA, we always had this, like, saying at my gym, win or learn. <laughs> yeah, win or learn. I like that. You know, yeah. you don't lose. It's what you do from your losses, what you learn from your losses and how you come back next time that really define the kind of person you are and the kind of fighter you are, the kind of official you are, the kind of worker you are. Um, and uh, that's kind of, like, how I live my life based off that, and that's how my official career has gone. Um, and, you know, like, sometimes mistakes are made in that cage that nobody even realizes right there I've, I've made mistakes that nobody even had a clue that i made a mistake or it might not even been a mistake to anybody else but to me it was and uh my mom my girlfriend even my 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 boss that would hire me for shows he, he i'd be at the hotel room re-watching a clip over and over and over again and something freaky might have happened. And I was like, oh, man, I should have been there one shot before. At least. I don't know why I reacted that way. But, you know, it's that obsessive uh, nature that I think uh, has helped me get to the level that I'm at. Um, about wanting perfection. And uh, uh, I think uh, I owe it to the fighters that are uh, putting months into a camp and... Um, moving away from their families and their girlfriends and their kids and 
uh, their friends to put all that effort into training, to go through those fight camps, to go travel to Thailand to train, go travel somewhere in America to train or wherever they are just, you know, working a full-time job and trying to make their way up. I owe it to them to make sure that I'm at the best of my ability. And that way, um, everything works out hopefully. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. That's good. And, and, you know, especially too, like, you know, being, um, like I'm reading, uh, like at our phone call, I, I mentioned, I'm like, yeah, I'm reading Hicks and Gracie's book and it's like insane. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those books, actually, I got it right there. It's right, right behind you on the, oh, yeah, on the nice. thing there. And, um, but what, what I really like, and, and so the, it's basically jujitsu, you know, I mean, Gracie's are the, I mean, the, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> is Gracie. Like yeah. that's the Gracie family, right? All, all 380 of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're starting to get hard to keep track of how yeah, many graces there the are clan. at this point. Yeah. yeah. And, but what's amazing about the book is, is the attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of like what you pointed out is like that mentality, it, it applies to everywhere. Yeah. And certainly in MMA, I mean, it's just like, even uh, I was watching a video of uh, TJ Dillashaw. He was talking about uh, like just throwing a jab like how to properly throw a jab and like just the, the minute details that he gets into. It, it's just like, yeah, you know, but, but that's how you excel at yeah. your, you know, especially, I mean, whatever you want to say about TJ, you got into a bit of trouble, but whatever. I, I've always loved TJ. I was, I was like, ah, oh, man, but I'm glad to see him back and whatever. But you know, it's, it's cool to, to see because when you're at the top of your game as well, yeah. there's, not a lot of like when you're ninety nine percent phenom, well that one percent's pretty hard to improve. It but is, if you're eighty yeah. percent, well you got twenty percent to play with. It's a little yeah. you know. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I try not to say anything bad about fighters or what decisions they made in the past. Uh, I try and be totally unbiased when it comes to if I was ever refing or judging a TJ Dillashaw fight, which would be really cool. That'd be so cool. (laughs) I mean, I'm a fan of the work he's done in the cage. Um, I I don't hold any grudges or anything or to, and shit happens. He's not the first, you know, whatever, you know, know? and he's not going to be the last either. Everybody looks for an advantage. I remember Tito Ortiz saying, if you ain't treating, you ain't trying. Um, (laughs) I mean, fair enough. I mean, it's my it's my job as a ref to try and make sure they're not cheating yeah. <laughs> as much as possible. Quit holding the cage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get I get enough fans and coaches that'll yell at me enough to they'll let me know. <laughs> uh, my favorites when the they're just their their palms on the cage, but they're not grabbing it, but their fingers are just right, kind of yeah. curling in there, and they're like, "Raph, he's grabbing the cage." <laughs> I just want to look over. No, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> Would you shut up? Not yet. He is okay. He is now. He is yeah. now. Stop grabbing. All right, the cage. all right. Now he's grabbing the cage. <laughs> no, he can have his hand there. He can. His fingers can naturally curl in the cage. He cannot grasp onto that cage, and hold on to it. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> I know it's always funny, especially that that grabbing the cage thing too. It's we always kind of have like a running kind of joke at the house because like we pretty much watch every ufc event uh pay-per-views will 
if it's a good one, they're expensive, you know, mm-hmm. but if it's a good one, we'll get them. But, uh, yeah, it's always the funny one. Like it's like, it's like, ha- yeah, take a shot every time the ref says, don't grab the cage. Ugh. So it's a funny one or, or keep the, uh, you know, for the eye pokes, uh, keep your fingers, you know, keep the fingers yeah. in, keep them in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I wish that we'd have a better solution, to that, but, uh, like maybe a glove or something that would help with, um, extending the fingers out towards the eyes. But, uh, if you ever train and just have somebody in an MMA glove, just paw at your face, engage with their fingers extended towards your eyes. It makes it hard to come in and to, especially if you've taken an eye poke before. Those aren't fun. Yeah, watch the slow mos on those. Those are gnarly. Yeah, I mean, nah, kick me in the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> at least I can like hold those and recover. Yeah, you get at least at least I get five minutes. Up to five minutes to recover, and I'm in control of the time. Yeah, count them. Be yeah, sure the, you got the, the one thing about eye pokes um, that makes it hard for referees is um, when a fighter is poked in the eye, uh, we bring the doctor in, and once the doctor leaves and says that athlete's okay to continue, uh, we're supposed to start the contest right away. Um, You'll see us referees, and for the betterment, I say, like, uh, there's a letter of the law and then the spirit of the law. Um, what's best for the sport? Man, you ever been poked in the eye? I'm sure everybody has. Sometimes you need an extra 10 seconds, 30 seconds, just for it to water out, and you're good. You know, so uh, we always have chats with our doctors before every event and just say, hey, in this scenario, buy the guy time. Buy him time. Stay in there. Don't leave. You know, um, take your sweet time examining that fighter because you have up to five minutes to examine him. But once you leave that cage, I got to start it right away. And I'd rather not start it with that fighter still injured. Right. So uh, we do certain things as referees in order to try and uh, even out the fight that way. Well, and, and, you know, in, in that particular example, you know, you're looking out for the, for the safety of the fighters, of course, you know, so it's one of those things like, you know, it's cause here's the thing. If the opponent, it'd be the same treatment if it was just the other guy who got, Oh, posed. absolutely. It's 100%. Same percent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you don't want to like have that. I've had it happen to me where that doctor walks out two seconds later and you're like, damn, that guy needs 30 more seconds at least. Right. And so I take the slowest <laughs> possible walk to the other side of the cage and give the slowest possible warning <laughs> to the other opponent as I'm peeking over, seeing if that guy's recovered. Then I'm walking over and saying to my commission table, hey, I just warned him for the eye poke. If he does it again, I'm going to, or whatever, I may take a point, may not, depending uh, on the severity of the foul and the intent of the foul. But, you know, you do certain things to make sure. And, it, and it's 100% for the safety of the athlete. That's, that's the most important thing, you know. Uh, we, we don't want to have to ever get physically involved in a contest. I've had to in the past and... Uh, uh, I think there's a good photo of it, maybe on my Instagram or something, where you can see the vein popping out of my neck. Um, but it's because we take it so seriously, you know. You want these athletes to go back to their families in one piece, as well and as, as much as possible, and uh, we want them to see 
them to compete another day. That's why I tell guys, don't let your arm break, man. <laughs> Tap. Yeah. You know, I get it. But, like, uh, we already know you're a beast. You're in there, right? Tap. Just tap. That way, like, you can come back and you can fight another day. And you can get another paycheck a lot sooner than you can with a broken arm. Um, it's hard to tell that to warriors, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you can say it. I mean, I, I always say it in my rules meeting with uh, individuals. Please tap. Please make it very clear that you're tapping. I don't want none of these, like, uh, you, if you saw, like, the chill sun and uh, yeah, the yeah. little finger tap. Yeah, right? it's like a WWE tap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, make it clear. Make it as clear as possible that um, you're showing me that you want out of that fight because the quicker I can get you out, the less likelihood of you uh, uh, sustaining an, uh, an injury that was unnecessary, right? So um, I always make sure that the athletes are aware of what my expectations are. And, you know, whether they listen to me or not, there's another story. Um, but at least I can, do, I can say I'm doing my job. Yeah, yeah. you got to do your part at least. Exactly. Yeah, I understand that, yeah, for sure. So uh, we're on the... Uh, we're on the back stretch of this podcast here, so I got a, I got a, a double. It's the same question applied to two different areas. So right. you've been a ref, or you, you are, you're a ref, you're a judge. Yeah. What are some of your memorable moments in either or, either uh, or capacity? Man, memorable moments. I've had some like. I mean, there's probably too many. To, to too many. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, not so much for like in ring stuff. Um, I've, I've been a part, I've been in there to see incredible fights with incredible athletes. Uh, I've had to get physically involved in one that was, uh, entertaining for everybody else <laughs> other than me. But, uh, I have some like funny stories from like, uh, I, I was, I'll repeat the same one that I told you earlier uh, about the first time I met boss root and it was in, uh, December of 2013. I was working a world series of fighting seven at, uh, PNA Agrodome. And it was my first uh, kind of like big show. It was my first big show. It was, um, I was judging. I was 20, maybe 23 years old at the time. No facial hair, looked like a baby. And it was the first time I think, uh, it was the second time I'd worked for that at BC Athletic Commission. And uh, uh, it, I got the job based off the recommendation from Big John and Jaron Vallel. And, uh, I go and I sit at my seat and there's an X right in front of me and I'm wondering what this X is. And all of a sudden the ring girl stops on that X and waves her sign. And that's where the camera goes right on her. And I'm a young kid single <laughs> at the time. And I look up and pretty much break my neck <laughs> looking up. And so Round one, round two, round three goes by, fight one, fight two, fight three, and all of a sudden, I turn around, I look to my right, and I see Boss sitting at the table, and he's leaning over the table, looking right at me with a huge smile on his face, pointing his finger right at me, and he caught me red-handed, <laughs> just staring at the ring girl, and I was in between rounds, and I'm like, oh, man, and uh, he comes over, puts his hands on my shoulder, and he goes... Hey, what is a is a Dutch accent? Hey, brother. <laughs> I hope you don't have a girlfriend at home because the camera's been at the back of your head the whole time. <laughs> and uh, I was, I was, I just me and him just started dying laughing, and I was like, "All right, all right, I don't have a girlfriend." But yeah, he, he came over and 
he warned me. It was pretty funny, but that was just me as a kid. I mean, I have like cool memories of working the UFC and that was, uh, I mean, you get to meet a lot of cool people when you're there. You get to meet a lot of cool celebrities and stuff like that. And, um, you're rubbing shoulders with the who's who of the sport. You're walking around the back and you're like, Oh, there's Dana White. There's Joe Rogan. You know, there's Ariane Celeste. There's Justin Gaethje. Right. Uh, super, super cool. Um, you know, like I've got a couple like, uh, the first UFC, um, that I worked, um, I was a timekeeper and I was a timekeeper with a guy named Adam Ryan, who's a local martial arts coach. And when you're a timekeeper, you're kind of like sitting, uh, if you look over your left shoulder is kind of where the ring girls are sitting. It's a good place to be. <laughs> Great place to be, right? <laughs> My girlfriend wouldn't like me saying that, but yeah. I'm good. I can say it. Yeah. Hi, hi Brittany Palmer. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, you know what? This story's about her, actually. <laughs> All so, right. Buckle up. So, uh, yeah, this is a funny story, but um, I'm sitting there and um, it's going into the third round and I'm, I got the stopwatches and uh, there's Adam Ryan to my left. There's me sitting there. There's a UFC uh uh timekeeper so he's doing the reverse countdown so that what you see on the time clock is him doing the reverse countdown so it's on par with uh, the stopwatch and then beside him is bruce buffer very cool yeah very very cool. cool you're sitting one seat away from bruce buffer at the same table pretty cool great guy by the way awesome dude um and uh you know I, Brittany Palmer was wearing a wrist brace at the time. She had like broken her wrist or something like that. And, uh, I noticed in between rounds, her Ariani's trying to get the wrist brace off. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and she's pulling at it, pulling at it, pulling at it. And I, I'm just kind of like looked over my shoulder, noticed, turned around and I put my head down. I'm looking at the stopwatches and all of a sudden Brittany Palmer's right beside me and she, she's going, it's round three, right? I'm like, huh? And I look up. She's like, it's round three, right? And my buddy Adam goes, without looking up, goes, yeah, it's round three. And the only thing is I didn't say anything because she had had a little bit of a wardrobe malfunction. (laughs) uh, Oh, yeah, there you go. (laughs) Something was popping out that, uh, you know, she probably wouldn't want popping out, but it was there. And uh, I'm like 24, maybe I'm young. I'm looking at it and I'm like, holy God. <laughs> like I, I, I'm, I'm seeing this and, uh, I'm trying to nudge Adam and she's just about to walk up the stairs with the car. Oh no. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm nudging Adam beside me. He's like, what, what? Someone yeah. say something. And I'm like, look, he's like, look at what? I'm like, look at the ring girl. He's like, what? And I'm like, she's got a, a little slip. <laughs> And he's like, what? And he looks up. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, yo, tell her. He's like, no, you tell her. And we're going back and forth. And she, she kind of adjusts it a little bit. So, like, you can still see it sticking out. But the majority of it's covered it, right, again. Yeah. And, uh, and all of a sudden, Bruce Buffer leans over. He goes, what are you guys arguing about? 
And I'm like, uh, and I'm trying to be careful because the guy in between us has a mic to the back. And I'm like, I don't want to, it's my first UFC. I'm scared. I don't want to say anything. I want to be invited back. Right. And, uh, I'm like, Bruce, um, Brittany has, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, malfunction, wardrobe malfunction. And he's like, what? He's like, he looks up and he sees it and he looks at me. He's like, tell her. <laughs> and so me and Bruce Buffer are going back and forth. I'm like, you tell her. He's like, no, you tell her. <laughs> no, you tell her. I'm like, why do I got to tell her? He's like, you saw it. And I'm like, and by this time she's walking around the ring. <laughs> she's, she does her lap. Unfortunately, not nobody really notices, but, uh, she comes back to where they, they wait to go down the stairs and blow the kiss. And, and eventually I just look at him. He's like, you tell her. I'm like, you know her. And he's, he just looks at me and goes, Ah, fair enough. <laughs> and so he just goes, Brittany, and he just kind of pulls on her shirt to say, hey. And she looks down. She's like, oh, oh my God, and fixed it. But it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty legendary. Yeah. Yeah, so that's and I, I remember going back in the back, and Big John's back there, and Jaren's back there, the guys that coached me. And they're like, so, how was it? It was your first UFC. What did you, what did you think? I'm like, I saw Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as good as it gets. Yeah, it's really, about yeah. as good as it gets. That's my. He goes, I like that. That was your first UFC, and that's your highlight of it. I was like, that was amazing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, I mean, she's got her thing. She was in Playboy prior to that. Yes, stuff. that's yeah, true. And so yes. like, I, Ariani as well. Yeah, yeah. Ariani as well. And so I mean, um, I don't know. I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Mm. I, I don't know if they did or not. <laughs> I'm completely listening. unaware. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, no, that that was a that was a funny one for sure. Um, funny story. I'm trying to think of others. I'm crazy. Well, it's even funny too, like how I ask you, like, what are your memorable, and then you're like, yeah, uh, ring girls, ring girls. <laughs> <laughs> two, two stories, two for two, <laughs> two for two is ring girls. Oh no, Khabib's not gonna like that one. Yeah, funny stories. I mean, I, I, I just, I, you know. The thing that I love most about fighting, uh, I mean, being a ref and stuff is uh, being able to officiate guys and uh, when they're amateur fighters or even like uh, brand new for professionals and a few years down the road. I mean, that's it, one of the coolest things for me is to see guys that have officiated in the past make it. You know, it's kind of cool because you get to see, you can be like, man, I remember when he was just an amateur and I remember when, I mean, uh, a lot of the local guys that I've had opportunities to uh, referee that have made it to the UFC. It's, it's super cool. Somebody like we, we talked about earlier before the podcast, uh, Lupita Godonez, who just had her first fight in the UFC, a guy named Cole Smith that fought in the UFC, uh, and uh, many others that you can expect um, out of the British Columbia area. Um, the talent here is insane. Um, even when Big John McCarthy come, came and came to one of our events and watched our amateurs compete, and he's like, wow, in California, these guys are pros. These guys aren't amateurs. And uh, he's right. You know, I've seen, I've seen some of uh, the shows locally in the talent pool that we have here is incredible. So who knows, maybe we'll see a future champ come out of this area. You never know. 
might be a question that you can't really answer, but w- why is that? That there, I mean, that's a good thing that there just seems to be, you know, because Vancouver's, it's small. Like we're not a major, like we're a major city by Canadian standards, mm-hmm. but Vancouver, it's a small area, you know, like, like if you compare it to like LA or New York or something like that, it's minuscule. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, even my high school, um, there, we've had five or six guys that I graduated compete in the UFC. No, and just in, oh, in martial arts, right. in mixed martial arts. Um, some are pro- some are professionals, and um, I don't know what it is about the what's in the water here, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know we have some real good OG guys that have uh, really helped develop the sport. And uh, uh, one of the guys is a guy named Chris Franco who uh, competed in the UFC, I think one fight or something like that back in the day. But uh, pancreation guy, and he has he has a school in Vancouver, but um, he runs an amazing kids program. And uh, to get kids young in the sport uh, and just he's great with families. And uh, I've seen the way he coaches and talks to his fighters in the corner is extremely impressive. Um, And there's lots of other coaches like that around. And just having a good – we had a good base with just um, the OGs of the sport here, you know. And uh, I don't know what it is, but people in Vancouver love the UFC. (laughs) Um, I wish they would support uh, local shows a little more. Um, I feel like um, the amount of people that I've talked to, they're like, oh, you ref? That's so cool. And I was like, yeah, I'm very blessed to have that job and to be in that opportunity. And uh, I was there like, I'm a huge UFC fan. I watch all the UFCs. And I go, well, have you ever been to a show? No, I've never gone. I was like, you love it? You've never been to a UFC? Nah. I'm like, what about like just a local MMA show? All right, back in the day, I used to be a pro wrestler for a little bit. And uh, tickets are fairly inexpensive. People that people come up out and support those shows. And I've been to a lot of shows where the half, there's half the audience that should be that's there. And I go, you know, like, you guys should support it. You know, the more support, more more people that come out, the betterment for the sport, the more shows we'll, ha- we'll have, and the more athletes will come and compete. Um, yeah. So when it just elevates the whole thing. Elevates the whole thing. And uh, for the amount of people that tell me, I, I would say 5% of the people that tell me they're massive fans of the sport have never been to a show live. And I was like, if you're a massive fan of the sport, you need to go see it live. Oh, that's me. Yeah. (laughs) You gotta gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go support like uh, any of the local shows. And, you know, like uh, tickets are fairly inexpensive in comparison to the UFC. Um, You're seeing guys up on the rise, right? People that are trying to make a name for themselves. And uh, the contests are entertaining as hell. And uh, um, there's so many young athletes coming out in the BC area, all across Canada, all across North America that are. Um, that make their way from city to city and compete all over. And uh, it's awesome to watch. Awesome to watch. I'm just excited to see all these guys perform and and uh, live out their dreams and uh, put on the best performances they can. Well, and, and I'll tell you, like, uh, so, it, so two things. So first thing, uh, I had an opportunity to go to a UFC event, and I didn't. 
And wow. I'm glad I didn't. Why because is that? it was so it was uh, Darren Till versus Masvidal at the O2 in London. Oh wow. Well, been cool. Till <laughs> the fight did not go his way. Mm-hmm. It was apparently the crowd afterwards were a little fired up. The a bunch of drunk angry Brits who were getting oh, fired up man. about it. But yeah, that would have been really cool to to go to that. I for some reason I didn't know until the day of Oh, really? And then I was like, oh, like Darren Till is fighting Masvidal today? And then it was like, you know, because it's the day of, it was like 300 pounds for a ticket. And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I, a bit much, yeah. Uh, the, um, you know, it's funny, actually. Uh, I have a buddy, a really close buddy of mine, and uh, we always joke about it. But uh, UFC 115, I believe, was the first uh, UFC in Vancouver. It was Chuck Liddell and Rich Franklin. And my buddy, uh, afterwards, um, on the news, they were like, we only had one arrest. <laughs> and Dana White, Dana White was talking about it because the Vancouver police were so worried that somebody was going to, the, the fights were going to break out and everybody was going to go crazy because of the atmosphere in there. And you know what? Usually the atmosphere is super respectful, super tame. Nothing like that really pops off. But um, there's more fights at a at a rock concert. Oh, 100%. for sure. Yeah, one, <laughs> absolutely. One hundred percent. Yeah, fortunately enough, most fans let the athletes do the work. Um, but yeah, a good buddy of mine, he he's like Dana White came out and he goes, we we only had one arrest and in the press conference and he's like i missed the rich franklin fight because he got arrested at the co-main event and he was just drunk nothing really happened he was just drunk and loud and in vancouver they don't like that whether you're at a canucks game or anything you're not allowed <laughs> to cheer um but <laughs> uh yeah he, he always jokes about that he was like dana white talked about me in a press conference <laughs> and he still he loves it he loves the story his and claim to fame his I like claim it. to fame but uh yeah, I mean, my, my first UFC, I went, I think it was, yeah, I, I could be wrong, but it was, I think it was 131, and it was uh, Junior Dos Santos, and um, who did he fight in the main event? Velasquez, maybe, or? Uh, no, it was on his way to the title, I can't, I cannot oh. remember, I remember, like, the, the card was stacked, Chris Weidman fought in that card before he oh, was nice. champ, and yeah, um. I remember Kenny Florian fought in that card, and I was a big Ken Flo fan at the time. And I I, I was working at a Sport Check um, <laughs> at the time, and I literally left like halfway through my shift because a buddy was like, "I got a ticket for 150 bucks if you want to go, but we have to leave right now." I remember going to my manager and being like. I'm sick. <laughs> I, I threw up on I, his desk. I just, I, just, I literally just, I've been throwing up in the washroom the last 20 minutes. And he's like, what? I was like, yeah. And then I ran out, yeah. ran right to the Sky Train and met my buddy down there <laughs> at a Rogers Arena and was like, sweet. Yeah, but ended up being, it was a pretty cool experience. I ended up going to a nightclub after that. And uh, I got to meet um, Damian Maya. And Damian Maya was at a nightclub? He was at a nightclub. That yeah. seems... I would not picture Damian right. Maya yeah, at a nightclub. Was, back in the day, it was a place called Pop Opera. I was going to say, please tell me it was the Roxy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not. No, but I was uh, I was a big Damian Maya fan if, uh, at the time, and still am. But uh, it, yeah, I remember uh, 
Team Bad Boy was there, and I had a buddy, Tax Asaki, that I trained with at the time. And uh, he was part of Team Bad Boy, and my coach went there, and a few other guys, Paul Chang, who's a big, uh, who's like my big brother, who fought uh, in one championship and fought against Brendan Vera for the uh, for the one championship heavyweight title, and um, good buddy of mine. And we all went there, and uh, Stefan Bonner was there, Herb Dean was there, and oh, right it, it was pretty cool as a young kid and just a fan at that time. And it was before I was a ref or a judge, and and. Uh, uh, one guy was there, um, Patrick the Predator Cote. Now, <laughs> he's one of the he's one of those OG guys from back then. Oh, too. definitely, yeah. he's definitely an OG. And uh, he, this is a funny story. So he was wasted, wasted drunk, and uh, he comes up to me, and I'm like, "Oh, Patrick Cote," and he comes and he's hammered. He grabs me and kisses me directly on the mouth. <laughs> like, just like a peck, just like, like, and, it, and like French Canadian guy. Like, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> I'm not that big of a fan. I'm not that big of a fan, but no, I, it, it, it's a funny story. He was just hammered. He was the friendliest dude, put his arm around me. And I, I think we ended up taking a photo together and he was just... He was he was lit up, <laughs> he was lit. But it, it was it was a pretty funny uh, experience. <laughs> well, you got a kiss from a bad motherfucker. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing I could have done about yeah, it. Yeah, like uh, that is a beast. No, yeah. no. He was it was all in good fun. It was just yeah, it, it was pretty funny. But <laughs> I gotta love that. I was like 21, I think. Just oh, <laughs> and then I was like to my coach, I was like, I think the next like day I was at the gym with him and I'm like, Patrick Cote kissed me on the mouth. He was like, ah, he was kissing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you didn't feel so special. Yeah, like, oh, oh, man. Man. Yeah. I thought I was the only one. Was hoping, yeah. <laughs> but, and, yeah. and did you meet Damian Maya that night? Mm-hmm. I did. It was after, uh, it was Mark Munoz fight. I think he lost by decision, but, um, yeah, it was cool. He was so humble. He, he, you could tell the nightclubs weren't really his place. He was just kind of sitting on the chair, chilling uh, on the couch in the VIP section, chilling. And yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I think I got more cool wrestling stories than I have of <laughs> UFC stories. But well, yeah. and and I know we're kind of coming to the end here, but, but quickly before we get into it, what what's interesting is like, yeah, like. Like, and by wrestling, you mean WWE wrestling. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting because you don't normally that like nowadays that doesn't seem like a, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think like where it's like, oh yeah, like wrestling's fake, man. Like all that, like, okay, like whatever. We're, we're cool with that. It's, it's still very athletic and these guys are freak shows and just yeah. awesome athletes. And I mean, freak show and very terrible yeah, compliment. Yes. But, uh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did it for a couple of years, maybe three years. I wrestled locally just for shits and giggles. I wasn't looking to have a career. In he didn't it. want to be Stone Cold Steve Austin? Uh, <laughs> he, he was my idol as a kid. <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> He's my favorite. And um, But no, I, I did it for just a few uh, few years. And um, How'd you like it? I, I, I liked it. It's just uh, my body from wrestling hurt way more 
than years of MMA. I was already a purple belt when I did wrestling. Wow. Those athletes take a lot of punishment. But uh, yeah, I've been to a bunch of WrestleManias and stuff like that. I have a few buddies that wrestled for the WWE. And uh, I, I got to have some pretty cool experiences there. I got to take... I uh, ended up on stage with a rapper named Wale <laughs> um, in New Orleans, and uh, that was a crazy experience. Ended up taking shots with uh, a guy named Marty Skrull in the back, and uh, got to see that Rob Van Dam was back there, and there it was, it was pretty cool. And uh, I think one of the cooler stories was uh, I was in um, uh, – Orlando, Florida, with uh, for WrestleMania, and I was with uh, a mutual friend of ours, Bucky Lucarino, and uh, <laughs> who we, was on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, he was <laughs> season and, one. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, we are in Orlando, and we kind of snuck into the VIP section, and I've done it a couple times, but <laughs> you know, when the guy's not looking, you just go. <laughs> and uh, I had a mutual friend with Chris Jericho, and uh, holy crap! Yeah, Chris Jericho was in there, and uh, um, this is when he was—he was really big at the time, and um, it was when he had the list, and he was doing the list and uh, and, and putting people on it, <laughs> and. Uh, we, uh, I, I walked in there and I was like, Hey, Jericho. And he looks at me, he's like, Hey, what's up, man? Super friendly. And I'm like, I know Dr. Luther. Now, Dr. Luther was Chris Jericho's best man at his wedding. And, uh, he's going, how do you know Dr. Luther? And I'm like, well, me and him have wrestled. And, uh, Dr. Luther wrestled up here for, uh, ECCW back in the day. And, uh, <laughs> We were chatting for like five minutes and eventually I just go, can I get a, can I get a selfie? He goes, ah, no problem. I just want to show Dr. Luther. So me and him get a couple pictures together and right when I'm about to leave, he's like, Hey brother. I'm like, what? He's like, and he was wearing a jacket in the nightclub, which I thought was a little weird, but he pulls out a bottle of Ciroc out of his <laughs> jacket. That's like half drinking and he's, he's hammered. I, I have a good buzz on too. And he opens it up. He's like, you want a swig? And so I got to yeah. have a swig. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, I'm good, Chris. Yes, no. yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Do I end up on the list if I don't? <laughs> yeah, you get the walls of Jericho uh, yeah, coming down yeah. on you real quick. But yeah. And uh, yeah, sure enough, he handed me the bottle. I take a swig and he takes a swig. And that's one of my, my coolest like interactions with like uh, famous pro athlete i guess <laughs> well i got a uh, i got a wwe story okay I so hear <laughs> when i <clears throat> so i'm i i was a huge fan i have all the still have all the action figures awesome the rings the cage the belt oh yeah all that That's shit sweet all of it right and um so i was oh seven seven or eight very young and uh yeah wwe well, maybe it was WWF then, or maybe it was just WWE. I don't know. It's been timelines or whatever. But um, performing at the P&E. Yeah. So we go, and we're walking. You know, we parked wherever the hell we parked and walking to the venue. And so I'm walking beside my dad, and right next to us is this huge... I mean, so, you know, I'm little, and I mean, this dude was so big, like, just massive, right, to yeah. me. 
and bright pink hair is Jeff Hardy. No way. And huge fan of, you know, Hardy Boys, but yeah. Jeff Hardy in particular. I'm like, this dude's a wild man, right? <laughs> I love Jeff and Hardy. And so we're walking, like, right beside each other. And my and I'm like, you know, I'm like, Dad, that's Jeff Hardy. And my dad's like, well, yeah, it's Jeff Hardy, right? And, and he's like, go, like, you know, ask him for a photo or a signature or something, right? Because right? And he was just carrying his, uh, like, his luggage, like his yeah. bag, right? His gear or whatever. And I was like, no. Like, I was, like, too intimidated because he was such a big guy. So I think I I think I did end up saying like like hi Jeff Hardy like kind of his little <laughs> tiny little kid right and he goes hi you know that was about it but that's super cool very cool I know uh, still remember uh, that you know to this day yeah that's super cool I remember being in New Orleans and being on a uh, Bourbon Street and having uh, being in the bar and uh, the swamp and having shots with. Uh, because um, Ronda Rousey was uh, with WWE at the time and having shots with Travis Hapa Brown. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. He's a beast, He's too. a beast. I remember the, when the guys would go for takedowns with them against the cage, I was like, big mistake, because you're getting those elbows. And he was a beast back in the day. And Yeah, I ended up, I remember taking shots with him at the bar. <laughs> I, I was like, he was getting shots at the bar. I'm like, hey, Travis Brown. And I'm with my buddies. He's like, hold on, give me one sec. And he comes over and gives us all shots. And we're oh, that's <laughs> nice. Came, came, yeah, came over and hung out with us for a little bit. It was and, cool. and you're like, thanks for the shot. Where's Rhonda? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No offense. <laughs> Can I say hi to Rhonda? Yeah. Let me get a picture. She around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've, I've got the opportunity over the years to meet a lot of cool athletes, a lot of cool uh, uh, UFC fighters and um it's unfortunate that I'm in the position of uh, being a referee in one regard is that you can't take photos with guys. You can't, um, you can't have any photos. Like, uh, I do have a photo of Damian Maya. He's, I, I, I don't think I'll ever have the opportunity to referee or judge one of his contests, but, uh, um, uh, like you kind of, you can't actually, do that you're not allowed to ask for photos with them um you don't want to show any form of bias he put it up on social media somebody looks at the photo and goes hey look he's got a photo with him that's why he made this call or whatever so you always have to be careful about that kind of stuff but most of my stories are all guys like that are on the tail end of their careers and yeah. Well, I figured, you know, I mean, you made out with Kote, so I mean, that's a bit of a bias. Yeah. Right <laughs> I mean, he's long retired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a one, maybe not even a one second kiss on the lips, but it, it, it was a, a very drunk Kote that was having a good time. And you know what? If he's having a good time. Roll with it. it. Yeah, we're all, you got to roll with it. You can roll with the punches in this sport. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. All right. So I, I think uh, I think that's a good place to stop for today. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, yeah, I love Thanks. this stuff. Yeah. It's great having you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Talking a bunch of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So thanks so much, man. Thank you.